All right, to the phone lines. It's uh, we start with Kim. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a couple of plumeria questions, and then a, actually I have a few questions for you. I hope <laughs> okay. I can get through them all. Yeah. Um, anyway, I have um, a lot of my plumerias have seed pods on them, mm-hmm. and I was just curious. Do you think that the seed pods take away from like the plant the I guess with the uh, energy level of the plant to keep them maybe preventing from growing. I've heard you talk about, you know, if it's putting energy into seeds or seed pods or things like that, will that prevent the growth of the plant? I'm just wondering if I should cut them off. Well, (laughs) okay. You know, know, the the seed pods very definitely take some of the plant's energy, and that's the whole purpose of flowering in a Mm -hmm. plant is to make seed. It's not just to please us, as some self-centered people might like to believe. So, yes, it does definitely drain some energy from the plant, whether it's a plumeria, whether it's a crepe myrtle, um, many, many different plants. Now, if you want to have the fun of growing plumeria from seed if you want to perhaps see a new color or you know some things that you've never seen plumeria seed is fun to grow and it takes about two to three years for the plants to mature to the point that they will bloom if that's not important to you cut those seed pods off because they they are definitely using some of that energy that could be put into growth. And in some ways, um, in many kinds of plants, including plumerias to some extent, uh, you're kind of frustrating the plant because here it's trying to produce uh, blooms to make seed. You cut the seeds off and it says, oh, darn, I better put on some more blooms. So you'll definitely get more flowers as well as stronger growth from your plants if you take those seed pods off. To me, the only reason to leave them on is if you want to grow some more plumeria from seed and there's nothing wrong with that that's fun to do as well right i actually have a a few of them that i've put the um, knee-high stockings over Uh to keep because i have a friend who does uh, gulf coast plumerias and he lost a lot of his seedlings with the surprise trees we had yes for um, thanksgiving this year so anyway okay my other question is with those seedlings because i have actually done a few of the seedlings and they're kind of coming up if i grafted those onto a more mature hardy plant like i consider more you know the the aztec and the whites those um a little bit hardier than some of my others mm-hmm. would i would they mature faster no or not no, no. because okay. now on the other hand if you took your mature plants and grafted them onto your seedlings then you know they would bloom almost immediately but this maturing process for a flower just like it is for an animal uh it's got to reach a certain physiological point before it is capable of flowering and there's nothing that will do that except time so your seedling no matter what you do with it it's going to take a little while before it blooms but now once a plant has bloomed let's say my gosh this this bloom area is so beautiful beautiful i want to make a thousand more of it and i can't make that many divisions so i want to start grafting it onto other things yeah you could use your seedlings to graft on too but if you reverse the process it wouldn't speed it up does that make sense absolutely because i know the tips i've i actually grafted and i've got one that's pink and yellow on one plant right now <laughs> isn't that cool. fun just playing around yes okay now i'm going to keep moving because i don't want to um a friend of mine just gave me a jacaranda tree uh-huh um, and it's really small. It's in a one-gallon container right now. I know I need to get it out of that one-gallon container. I've heard you say that you you should size, you kind of need to take 
your time. Like do if you're in a gallon, move it up gradually. Like yeah. Inch, okay. What should I do that with this tree? Number one, because I know it's fairly fast growing. And what else can you tell me about the jacaranda? And what is the purpose behind the gradual move up? Uh, that's, those are all excellent questions. I've always called it jacaranda. So excuse me for pronouncing oh, it a little bit no, differently. Right, <laughs> but but when you leave a plant in a smaller pot, it tends to form the roots tend to circle around the pot and long term you can wind up with a problem of root girdling this is why when you move it from one pot to another it's important to cut the roots down one side of the pot so you don't have these little Mm -hmm. future nooses developing you if you put a small plant into a giant pot it does not dry out evenly you end up with parts of that pot that stay too wet while other parts of it get too dry and this really stunts the growth of your new plant be it tree shrub or plumeria for that matter and this is why we step them up gradually we go from a one gallon to a five gallon to a 15 gallon now occasionally we will have a plant that grows so quickly that the growers will go from a one gallon into a 15 gallon mexican sycamore is the only tree i can think of quickly that would fall into that category so we move things up gradually so that we avoid the problem with girdling roots and at the same time we maximize the growth rate does that make sense oh yes it does i just was curious about that great question um, insecticidal soap i've got a couple of bottles of just the regular insecticidal soap Uh uh-huh like nature yeah anyway uh and it's 24 ounce i was just wondering because i have purchased the um insecticidal soap with the spinosad in it yes i was wondering if i could add a little bit of spinosad to this and accomplish the same thing. You could do that, and you would make a good product. I'm not sure that I could say it would be exactly the same because uh, I'm sure it's a proprietary thing, and the manufacturers right. never told me. Oh, I'm. Sure. They probably do some things to stabilize it, perhaps to make it a little bit more viscous, so that it can be, uh, you know, sprayed more easily. And of course, soap. Uh, uh, it, it, it works on its own by smothering. The spinosad is derived from a soil bacteria that actually has, a, uh, you know, sort of a, um, I guess you'd say, a pharmaceutical action, a drug action that kills the insects as well. So uh, until they came out with insecticidal, uh, the spinosad insecticidal soap combination, a lot of people did it on their own and did it very successfully. Okay. It's 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 not a lot more expensive to buy the spinosad insecticidal soap combination. No, so when you use up you. what you have, yeah, yeah, I probably would go ahead and get the combination thing. On the other hand, spinosad is somewhat toxic to bees. And so if you were spraying something that requires insect pollination, cucumbers, squash that kind of thing i probably would use this the soap alone the insecticidal soap alone rather than using the spinosad soap but just they're two different products and they're both good products they both have long shelf shelf lives but they you know again uh the uses can kind of overlap but sometimes you want to use one sometimes you want to use the other all right that sounds great i have one more and it's now we're going to the garden um my chives have purple flowers on them, and then the second thing is I want to know how um, I know when my beets are ready to be picked. Are, okay. Yeah. Well, your chives, uh, are they onion chives or garlic chives? 
Onion chives. Okay. Um, that's perfectly normal. Uh, I think you like on plumerias, uh, if you clip those little flower heads off, uh, you will get more foliage production and, you know, more chives okay. for consumption. So uh, I I would, you know, probably be doing that. And what was the second okay. question now? Beets. Oh, beets. Um, yeah. I just want to know when they're when I know that they're ready for me to pick. They're ready to pick for you when you when they're the size that you want them to grow to. Um, they do not ripen. They do not improve in flavor by letting them get bigger. You simply have more beet to deal with. But if you let them go too long into the hot weather, they become extremely tough. So uh, you can pick them as, I mean, you can pick them as seedlings and, you know, use them as sprouts in your salads and you get a lot of nutrient benefits. Um, I, you know, just it's it, it just almost having grown them before you'll discover and there's so many different varieties of beets to tell you exactly how large to let them get but in in our soils i find my best quality beets are probably ping pong size ping pong ball size just don't leave them too long or they will get tough right and i know our soil is already warm here because my caladium bulbs from last year have already come up you're doing well so we have got some warm soil, so I might, I'll take some out today and we'll just try them. And you enjoy. Right, thank you so much for uh, answering all of my questions. My pleasure, Kim. Thank you for the call uh, this morning. And you have a good, good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Next up is Margaret. Good morning, Margaret. Morning, Bob. Morning. Okay, I have a couple issues first I need your help on. Okay. Um, I have white flies on my tomatoes and in my Swiss chard and lettuce. Either okay. insecticidal soap or spinosad soap. Um, will be okay. the best thing you can use because the soap is the only thing I know of that controls the eggs, the larvae, and the adults, all three life stages of the white fly. Okay, and I do need to treat it. Do they do some kind of damage if I don't? Um, they definitely weaken the plants to some extent. Um, you know, I I can't say that they're – I've seen them stunt plants' growth. I don't know that I've ever seen them really kill them. But um, you judge how severe the infestation is because I've seen them where you bump into that plant and a cloud of white flies comes yeah. off of it. So I probably okay. would control them. Okay. Yeah, I don't want that. Okay, next problem, uh, the noceums. Uh-huh. Um, I was out in my front yard the other day talking to a neighbor, yeah. and they were just horrible. Yeah. Now, all I have is Bermuda grass out mm-hmm. there. Um, well, they're flying in from all over. The nice moisture, unfortunately, has caused kind of a population boom. Hopefully, it won't last long. Um, uh-huh. I use a deep-free repellent on my skin, and if I want to clear them out of an area, I usually use a garlic spray to do that. I suspect a cedar oil spray would do the same thing, but they're definitely bad this spring. Okay. Okay. Very good. And then last quick question. Um, the people in Fredericksburg that have all the hummingbirds, Yeah. how, how did the lady say she figures out how many she had? It, it was... You know, I didn't write down those numbers, and maybe Mark will call back. But I think they were figuring that um, for every – they figure they have 16 hummingbirds uh, per feeder, per batch of nectar. And um, she was kind of going by the number of pounds of sugar – and I mm-hmm. don't remember all the numbers, but she was figuring out that, you know, X number of pounds of sugar uh, fill, you know, the feeder to the point that it feeds 16 hummingbirds. So she was calculating by the number of pounds of sugar 
that they go through okay. every day. And uh, I don't just, you know, two feeders I have out, I'm amazed how many, how often I'm running to the store for sugar. But uh, exactly. her her yeah. calculations, and maybe Mark will call back and tell us at some point, yeah, but okay. uh, they, okay. are, they are estimating the number based on how many pounds of sugar they use. But I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact wow. numbers. I can't imagine. It must right. be something to see. But these folks have several acres, and uh, mm-hmm. um, they manage their property exclusively for wildlife and apparently mm-hmm. have a lot more free time than I do to do all the things <laughs> that they do. But it, uh, it, it, must be, uh, it must be a wonderful sight to see. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I think, okay. uh, and I don't remember. Again, I probably should write more things down, oh. but uh, you might Google hummingbird heaven or hummingbird haven. Oh. I don't remember which, and I think they have some videos up there. And uh, my yeah. business partner and I oh. were writing our newsletter over at her home on her ranch uh, just before the storm hit last Wednesday, and she must have had, I don't know how many, 15 or 20 hummingbirds swarming one feeder. I just can't imagine what that would be like to see huge numbers of feeders with that many hummingbirds around each one. I know it's pretty darn noisy just with the three feeders she has up and a swarm of hummingbirds around each one. I think the website was something like Bird Oasis. I get in there and try. I I just okay. don't remember too too many other things to remember in this world. Okay. And okay. Einstein well, used. There. I think Einstein was the one that said the only things you have to remember are the things you can't look up. <laughs> <laughs> get out and enjoy, Margaret. It's always good to hear from you. Thank you. You're Bye. welcome. Bye. All right, back to gardening and back to the phone lines. Neil, Savannah, Scott, and a second Scott. <laughs> we'll distinguish those in just a minute, but first up is Neil. Good morning, Neil. Morning, Bob. Morning, sir. I've got a world-class um, uh, growth of uh, bigger lice. Yes, sir, me now, too. Not in my yard, but out around my yard. And of course, when those seeds uh, get... Uh, mature they're always going to blow in there and i and i don't know how all of a sudden because i remember beggar last as a little boy oh yeah and always having them in my socks and this that and the other and i mm-hmm. hate the dang things and but if i go out there and spray them now and kill them i'll kill a lot of the wildflowers too right so what what do i got to do i wish there were an easy answer um uh, you know, with the rains, they pull fairly easily. Uh, I find that, you know, the cattle must like to eat them because the only place I have them is inside my, my fences. But I'm like you. I've got thousands of them. It doesn't work to mow them down because then they just mow, you know, spread out at ground level and seem to produce just as many seeds. So I'm afraid I try to spend 30 minutes a day pulling them. And um, after the rains, you know, they really come up very, very easily. But I've I've never seen as big a crop as I'm seeing this year. But um, you're right. It's uh, I guess you could. I I don't know whether you can make a light enough spray. I have uh, patches of them that I haven't gotten to yet that are so thick. I don't think my orange roll vinegar mix would hardly get through the beggar's lice to get to the ground underneath. But I haven't found a solution other than pulling because if i'm out there with my line trimmer or if i'm mowing like i say i go back three days later and they've just flushed out and they're now six inches wide and two inches tall with more white flowers all over them so uh get a pair of gloves and get some exercise well i guess you know i've i've been 
I've been pulling them, and so I, I was hoping that you would give me a, a better, easier solution for this old body. Well, <laughs> if you find a better answer, you let me know, and it will help my body as well. But, uh, again, you, when you've got a yard, you do not have to join a health club if you're doing a good job of it. Now, I wish there were a better answer. Uh, just like the grass burrs, I find areas where I put down that fall application of compost. I have very few of them come up because I think the compost serves as a natural pre-emergent herbicide. So if you have grassy areas, uh, getting late on it uh, this spring, and, of course, the things are already up and growing now, but if you make a fall application of compost i think you will see a lot fewer seedlings next year but uh that doesn't ease the problem this year and uh, i just hate those things i mean my uh my labs don't pick up nearly as many of the burrs as my partner's goldens do but uh, she she has spent a lot more time grooming her puppy dogs but i i'm a guy that wears shorts all summer and man i hate getting them in the hair on your legs so i i just hate the blasted things and i spend a lot of time pulling i wish i had a better answer but i haven't come up with it yet neil i'm still looking well if i come up with a with an answer uh, how to get rid of them uh, it's going to cost you. Well, you will be you will become a wealthy man if you can come up with a reasonable solution to that. I promise you. Okay, thank you very much. You're sure, sure welcome. Okay, Bye. thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, Savannah's next. Good morning, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question. Sure. I have a question for you yeah. about a uh, one-gallon bailey tree. Okay. I, I want to transplant it, and uh, what is the best kind of soil to add to that? Any good uh, non-peat moss-based soil will work. Are you growing this in a pot, or are you going to put it in the ground? No, put it in the ground. Okay. Uh, I would not really change your existing soil at all. The problem, if you start trying to make um, your soil better, you create a small area of good soil, and your bay leaf or any other woody plant doesn't really want to make its roots put them out beyond that point. So I believe oh. in, in just basically planting it with the same soil you dig out of the hole now i think it's great to put some fertilizer on the surface i think it's great to you know put a good mulch around your bay tree bay bush however you choose to grow it but uh, i'm not going to do a whole bunch of soil preparation on planting you know any landscape plant or tree because like i say it just you've taken away the incentive for the plant to grow its roots out in the native soil surrounding it so i do dig an angular hole square rectangular whatever you want to call it because i think Uh this helps the roots go out but uh Forget about trying to improve the soil. Put some good stuff on top after you get it planted, but uh, don't spend a lot of time or money trying to make that one little spot of soil better. Okay, and one other question. Does that need to be sheltered from the wind? Um, I don't think so. No? I mean, I've got one at my ranch. It's probably 20 feet tall, 6 feet across. I haven't watered it in 10 years, and it's been through... Oh you know, everything in the world, and it just sits there and thrives. Bay laurel is one of the hardiest plants in the world. Uh, Howard Garrett has a pretty good-sized one in his yard up in Dallas. I had I'd worried a little bit about cold hardiness, but uh, I think under an organic program, uh, they, that's not an issue. We lost the big one we had at Shades of Green when we had an ice storm, and the ice literally, uh, the tree just broke off from the weight of the ice. But uh, I've never seen wind be a problem with it or much of anything else. So full sun, is yours in full sun? Absolutely. 
Awesome. And one other question on that, uh, watering, does, does it need to be watered a lot or just like maybe once a week? It needs to be watered very thoroughly when you water it. And then when that soil is dry at the base of the plant, when the soil is dry about an inch deep, it's time to water it again. Once that plant has been in the ground for oh, six months to a year, then it can pretty much exist on its own with no help from you. But while it's getting awesome. its roots established, uh, you need to water it whenever that soil is dry about an inch deep. And deer-proof, too, or not? Uh, I've never seen deer nibble on mine. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, the one so one thing, nice. and you probably already know this, but for the benefit of any new listeners we have, using the synthetic products, the miracle Grows and things like that, those create a lot of soft, succulent growth that is not especially deer-resistant. They might get after it under that kind of a program, but where you're feeding with organic products, uh, bay laurel has you know so many natural aromatic compounds that uh, – I've never seen a deer touch it. Awesome. No, I'm totally organic. I don't do, use any. I know you are. I'm just thinking about, about you know, 50, 60, 70,000 other people out there that may not be quite as smart as Savannah is. Okay, darling. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You do the same. I appreciate the call this morning. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, sir. How good morning. I'm good. How are you today? Good. So a couple of quick quickies for you here on rose bushes as the blooms. Uh, start to fade away, fade away, die off. Mm-hmm. Are you supposed to prune those back so new ones can come out, or just it's, leave it alone? It's strictly up to you. There are two advantages, assuming that you have a type of rose that will rebloom. Some roses only bloom once in the season, but if you have one of the types that reblooms, uh, your two advantages are they will come back and bloom more quickly, and the new blooms will be supported on stronger stems. Now, that's not so important if you have, say, a knockout rose that has a little lightweight flower out on the end. But if you've got a big, heavy, multi-petaled rose like Melinda's Dream or a lot of the uh, older you know, ones from Mr. Lincoln to Don Juan, I go probably through a 100 names. But by cutting the old buds or the old blooms off and cutting them down we always you know if you look at a rose leaf it will be composed of either three leaflets or five leaflets or sometimes even seven leaflets if you cut it back to at least the point that you have the five leaflet leaves then you've got a strong enough stem to support a big heavy flower like i say that's only important if you're growing a really big full rose if you're growing uh the knockouts and things like that uh just you know cut it back uh, trim it back to make it look a little neater and yes it will very definitely bring the back back into bloom again more quickly all right sir and i don't know what it's called but uh it's a shrub that's fairly sparse and the blooms on it are uh, red and gold are are those supposed to be uh, uh cut down in the spring or will they just regrow and rebloom on their own kind of a orange and yellow flower yeah. and kind of a a uh, very fine mimosa-like leaf, little tiny yeah, leaflets. Exactly. Okay, that yes, that is a plant called Pride of Barbados, uh, properly called Cestalopinia. Um Many years they freeze back, and uh, mine and Bernie, I've never had a year that they didn't come back. Uh, if 
uh, if this was a winter, it didn't get cold enough to freeze yours back, then it's up to you. They don't have to be cut back, but they will maybe get bigger than you want them to. Uh, you know, if uh, if you just let them continue to grow, they may be 10 feet tall instead of 5 feet tall by the end of the summer. So that's up to you. If they haven't frozen and you want a giant plant, it will bloom just as well. If you want a little bit more compact plant or if you did have some freeze damage in the winter months, get out there and trim it back. Plant doesn't really right. care. All right, sir. And then question of the day, uh, my yard, terrible soil. We, we When we moved in here last year and over the spring, I've put in compost. Mm-hmm. And the zoysia and the uh, Bermuda are coming back really nice and thick, but the crabgrass just will not go away. And there's a million uh, <laughs> seeds. So my yeah. question for you is what, what, what will be the damage control if I give in to the dark side and use a chemical uh, weed killer. Well, you're not going to accomplish anything. And, oh, and you know, all the chemical weed killers see your trees and shrubs as big weeds, and it will damage them. I can tell you anecdotally, I see people that do that have more oak wilt problems. Uh, plus, you know, you may give your puppy dogs and kitty cats cancers because they absorb this crap through their paws. And it's just really not necessary because, it, you know, we haven't had any hot weather yet. I mean, we've had, what, one day that it got close to 90. Um, what we need to kill that crabgrass out is some, you know, 95-degree days. And my advice to you is just mow it off, you know, get it whacked down to where you're getting maximum amount of sun. I mean, your Bermuda, your Zoys, you've only been growing for about two weeks, um, and they've hardly had a chance to attack the crabgrass. And uh, you give them a chance. You maybe give them a little extra fertilizer. You maybe mow twice a week instead of once a week for the next couple of weeks, and you'll not have a crabgrass problem. Yeah, there is hope. Yeah, there is okay. lots of hope. It only okay. requires patience, and I love what they call the little boy's prayer, which is, "Dear Lord, give me patience, and please hurry." Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And now I'll talk to the other Scott. Good morning, Scott. Howdy, howdy. How are you? I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. That's a good way to start a Sunday morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I live out in far, far, far east. Bear County, okay. almost to Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, the new subdivision, there's no trees. I'm trying to plant uh, ground cover between the curb and the sidewalk. Okay. I've put Asian jasmine down and find that I just have to water too much and it dies off. I think maybe because it's too hot. Well. Um, and I've got about 60 feet to plant. Okay. What um, about a a a um, aloe vera aloe vera will certainly grow there but if we get a really cold winter aloe vera will freeze and die there are some other aloes that are a little bit more cold hardy uh, that could certainly be grown out there i wouldn't really call them a ground cover but uh, there are some very beautiful hardy plants you could put out there there's a little succulent called bulbine b-u-l-b-i-n-e bulbine i would take a look at um you can plant there's a plant called red yucca it's not truly a yucca it's something we call hesperalo but very drought tolerant pretty spikes of either yellow or sort of salmony colored flowers uh could be very attractive out in that area um if you want to go a little bit 
slightly taller. There are some wonderful lantanas that will spread out to the point that they will choke out a lot of weeds, give you flowers all summer, uh, probably freeze back in the winter, but come back out uh, dependably the next year. If you want to grow a little taller than that, there's some compact forms of a uh, tropical flowering plant called Esperanza. Uh, the old yellow ones, they may grow eight or ten feet tall, but the new compact apricot and orange and reddish colors, they're going to stop at about four or five feet, and these would be extraordinarily colorful, pretty things you could put out there. If you want something that stays a little bit lower to the ground level, look at a plant called Pink Skullcap. Scutellaria is its botanical name, and it's going to spread out and bloom probably nine, ten months out of the year for you. Low mass of pink flowers. Gosh, I can keep on going. Just just give you a few choices to start out with. The uh, pink skullcap, is that uh, pretty drought-resistant? Once established, it's very drought-resistant. I water mine. Of course, I don't have as loose a sand as you do, but in the hill country, I water mine two or three times a year if it needs it. All right, and uh, let me let me give you just a couple of others before we move on, Scott. If you want something that is more of a ground cover, now this plant goes away in the winter, but it comes back dependably in the spring. Uh, its common name is dwarf plumbago. It is not plumbago uh, botanically. It's something called plumbagioides, Ceratostigma plumbagioides, which means looks like plumbago. It has a deep, deep cobalt blue flower. Uh, the, it, the foliage never gets over about four or five inches tall. It spreads rapidly, nice fall color, but you're not going to have anything there at all, probably January, February, and then it just sprouts back out gangbusters and just a gorgeous, dense plant with dark blue flowers. Um, that would be another one. If you opt to go with a pink skull cap, you might consider mixing with it uh, the pink, bright, hot pink uh, salvia gregii. That's going to get a little taller, about 18 inches, but I have this in a bed going up my driveway. I have the pink salvia gregii in the middle, the pink skull cap around, and once again, once established, I would remind two or three times a year. Okay. Thank you much. Very good. Good luck with your project, and call me back if I can help. That's what I'm here for. Thank you much. Certainly. Have a great day. You too. Bye. All right. It's going to be Brian and Tommy and Doug, and Brian is next. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? I'm great. How about you today? Doing good. I'm purchasing a house, and Congratulations. Uh, the backyard is just uh, a mess with erosion with the no grass growing. Okay. And it's got a large shade tree in the back. Uh huh. And a creek, a creek behind that. So all the flow runs to the creek. And trying to figure out what kind of maybe seeding or or some kind of grass I can put back there to to hold the soil in. Well. Your only real turf grass that you can plant from seed is Bermuda, and there are some very good Bermudas out there. There's a variety called Blackjack that's very good, another one called Riviera. Even common Bermuda is a very good soil holder. The issue is that these things only grow in the sun. If you've got a lot of shade, uh, not going to do such a good job. If you opt to go with grass in the shade, it's pretty much going to have to be St. Augustine, which you can't plant from seeds. You'll buy squares of that and put out. Now, you don't have to 
plant it solid. If I had a sloped yard and I was going to plant St. Augustine for erosion purposes, I'd cut those uh, those pieces of sod you buy. I'd cut them into little strips about three inches wide, and I'd just line them up like little terraces all the way up the hill, and with six months to grow, they will grow totally solid. But um, St. Augustine does require watering, and, but it is our only grass that will grow in the shade. Out in the sunnier areas, give it about two more weeks to warm up, and then you can overseed with Bermuda. You're probably going to have to water two or three times a day to get it established and germinated. But once it's up and growing, it is tough, tenacious, trouble-free grass that will do a good job of holding your soil in place. Okay. If I send the tree out and get more more morning sun back there and uh, like do the lattice uh, cutting of the St. Augustine, like you said, uh-huh. that, that should work? Oh, that'll work just fine. And uh, unless it's just dense, dense shade. St. Augustine grows well in bright shade or morning sun, but all the thinning in the world won't get it bright enough to uh, grow Bermuda. So um, I, I would think about you know, if you if you want grass throughout, I would think about St. Augustine under the tree and Bermuda out in the open areas. And then you can work at making it more interesting. I mean, underneath that tree, you could create a beautiful bed and plant holly ferns. And uh, you could plant uh, perennials like uh, the salvias, several salvias that grow well in the shade. You grow plumbago, you grow shrimp plants, you grow variegated ginger. You can turn that area around the tree into a beautiful flower bed. But if this erosion control needs to happen now that's the fastest way it's going to happen all right i appreciate everything it's my pleasure always thanks for the call this morning brian thank you all right uh yes tommy and doug and betty and david and tommy's up first good morning tommy hey good morning morning sir Uh, uh, morning i've heard you and howard talk occasionally about when you're working outside not using sunscreen that's not I me. Do. That's Howard. Uh, I oh, use okay. sunscreen. <laughs> you know. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. And different people have different skin. I know people that have never sunburned and never had a little basal cell carcinoma in their life. And I know people that, you know, get something burned off or worked on every time they go to the dermatologist i'm somewhere in between but uh and my dermatologist is a great guy and a good friend but i want to see him on a social basis not a professional basis so i use sunscreen now howard's another story howard is gifted with a skin that seems to do better without it but i'm i'm a proponent of sunscreen well, I am too. So I, I thought maybe you had some secrets that I didn't know about. But, I, uh, other than a long sleeve shirt and a cowboy hat. Well, and the fun thing about that, I actually wear a Tilly hat, is what I wear, but a uh, cowboy hat blows off my head too easily. <laughs> I, I do that if I'm on a horse, but not otherwise. But I'll tell you, there are some incredible new materials out there. Columbia makes a super lightweight shirt that is super UV resistant. And uh, I don't know. I buy mine at um, Academy, and uh, I've you know I, over the years I've become more and more sun conscious. But uh, you can be pretty fashionable, not spend a lot of money, and not wear some old heavy, hot, long sleeve shirt. But there's that's that's a great thing about some of the new sportswear out there uh, can give you a lot of protection without a lot of weight and a lot of money. All right, sir. Well, thank you very much. Well, good question. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, moving along to Doug. Uh, good morning, Doug. 
Good morning. Hi, Dr. Bob. How you doing? Pretty I'm good? great. It's a beautiful morning out there. Yeah, great. Hey, uh, <clears throat> I bought this, uh, hope you can help me with this, a Spanish flamboyant tree in South Padre Island about three years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, I planted it in my front yard, and uh, this is the third year that it's died. I've been covering it real good, you know, for the free, you know, how mm-hmm. we get these October freezes in early in October. How do you feel and, about moving uh, to Brownsville? I'd love to because I go down there fishing all the time. Oh, That's yeah. That's why I brought it. You're, it's, you're, it's, an eye, it's an eye catcher. Yeah, you know? but you're, you're never going to grow a flambeau tree here. They oh, get they God. get too big to cover. They are very, oh. very cold sensitive, and it's one of the oh. most beautiful trees in the Rio Grande Valley. But I'm here to tell you, you'll be able to buy a round-trip ticket on southwest of the valley a lot cheaper than you're <laughs> going to be able to replace that tree every year. So oh, as man. beautiful as they are, it's like trying to grow a blue spruce because you love to go oh. hunting or fly fishing in Colorado. Just ain't going to happen here, as the <laughs> as the people who are not concerned with the English language oh. put it. And uh, much as I'd love to encourage you, much as, well, I, we wouldn't sell anything like that, but uh, just not going to grow here, Doug. Sorry about that. God, man, why do you have to say that? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, I can send you some nurseries or some box stores that will happily sell you one or two of them every year from now on. But uh, uh, let me put it this way. If Flambeau Tree grew here, don't you think you'd be seeing them everywhere? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I don't. And I don't. Nope. Nope. And no you're not going to be first on the block because it's going to freeze even with a light freeze. Right now, like I said, I bought it. It was like three feet high. Mm-hmm. Well, that was three years ago, and, and I'm starting from scratch. Well, I, don't know, two feet. I, I have a friend, haven't seen him in years, but uh, uh, he grew, growing up, he wanted to have a grapefruit tree, and he built a greenhouse over the grapefruit tree in his backyard. He got to where half his backyard was covered up with greenhouse just to keep his grapefruit tree alive in the winter months. I guess you could do that, but as you probably know, flambeau trees grow 50 oh, feet big. tall, yeah. and yeah. so it's just yeah. impossible to give them the winter protection, and even with good organic tick techniques you're not going to be able to protect it enough in the winter to have it do well here so buy yourself buy yourself a nice little uh, place down there on the coast where you can go down and fish whenever you want to plant a flambeau tree in the front yard and come home when you have to work <laughs> oh i thought you were dr bob you'd be able to help me here well i tell the truth not what you want to hear i'm not I, yeah, i'm not do. a politician i'm a plant guy <laughs> i guess i am a politician but that's a whole different oh, story oh my god well, hey, Doug, so just go down that. there and, and admire them, but don't waste your money on yeah. them here. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate you. You're, you're a lot of help with everybody. I appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. Let me get Betty in here before the commercial or the uh, news break. Good morning, Betty. Hi. Um, I, I bought a plumeria stick, mm-hmm. I guess, what you call it, and it's about 15 inches long. Uh-huh. Do I plant it about halfway down into the potting soil? Maybe a third of the way. One third, okay. Yeah, did you buy this in Hawaii or? Uh... No, I got it at the succulent cactus. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah you, you need to keep it super warm. I mean, okay. we seem to be getting into warmer weather. If you have a propagating mat, uh, put it on uh, propagating mat uh, to get okay. it to root well. And use, if you can, use a cactus and succulent soil or okay. a potting cell soil that drains well. Don't get any peat moss baits, potting okay. soils. Don't buy any miracle Grow soil. Okay. But a good potting soil that drains well will be ideal for your plumeria. But no, no more than a third of it down okay. into the soil. 
Um, now, should it go into a small pot to start off with? Uh, as big as up? a gallon container, a six-inch pot or a gallon container will accommodate it quite well, and I wouldn't go any bigger than that. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Very good. Thank you uh-huh. so much. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk Bye. again. Bye.